I went on out, out on a three-mile run yesterday. And you see, I've been, I know, thank you, thank you, because um, I'm trying to decide whether to do another marathon. I've done a few marathons, and, but it's been a while. It's been about a decade since my last full marathon. And, I, so, and I've been trying to decide whether to do another one. And I have an opportunity, but I haven't fully decided. Because the truth is, man, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm older now. I'm a little less in shape. I'm a little rounder of a shape than I've been in the past. And, and it's scary because what if I fail? What if I don't make it? But it's also exciting because what if I do make it? What if I do cross that finish line again? And, and while I was out on my run, it got me thinking about all the things that have shaped me and how I think about my health. There are some things that have shaped me in some not so good ways. Um, I, I'd, I was always a really heavy kid. I was never really any good at athletics. I was always like the last kid picked, and, and I've all kind of, I still have that stigma. Um, and I, I don't have a great relationship with food. I tend to bury my emotions and my stress with food. Um, but you know, there are also some good parts of my life that have, have shaped how I think about my health. I think about my dad who, who inspired me to run my first marathon. Um, 15 years ago. Um, I, I think of the, the times I have successfully lost some weight or finished a great race or done a triathlon. I think of some of those successes. Uh, or or I, think of, I, I think about how, exciting, how excited a friend got when I was talking with him and I told him that I might run another marathon and he got so excited for me. And, and it was because he believed in me. And so I think about all of those things that shape me in different ways because the reality is we are constantly shaped by our world we are constantly shaped by our world everything around us shapes us and it affects our health our identity our self-worth our dreams our values all of those get shaped by the world around us so it's important so that's why we're going to talk about it. It's actually one of the relationships we talk about here in this True Spirituality series. This series is focused around five relationships that every one of us has. Last week, actually two weeks ago, we talked about our relationship with God. And this week, we're going to talk about our relationship with the world around us. So I want, I want to ask you, how have you been shaped by your world? What have been some of the major factors and influences in your life? Okay. So I, I'm going to ask a series of questions, and I want your mind to let your mind wander to some of the answers. So who have been some people who have significantly shaped who you are today? Who have been some people? How about what values does your family hold that you've, you've internalized yourself. So what family values does your family hold that are a part of you? How about what sort of Hmong values have you embraced and that you really like about your culture? How about what sort of American values have you adopted? And you say, I really like that about American culture, and, and you've internalized it. 
Or how about, what are some, some of your favorite movies? TV shows? Music genres or songs or artists? How about what's the last quote you posted on Facebook or Instagram? All of those things, all of those things have shaped who you are. But you see, there's a problem. Not all of those things have shaped you for the better. Some of those things, some of the things that shape us, actually shape us for the worse. They hurt us. They, they turn us into less of a better person instead of more of a better person. Because not everything that shapes us shapes us in a good way. So that leaves a really big question. How do we differentiate? How do, how do we differentiate between the stuff that will shape us for the better and the stuff that will not? How do we separate those two so we can embrace the stuff that will improve us, grow us, and we can reject the stuff that will hurt us? How do we differentiate that? Well, I'm really glad we don't have to answer that question because the Bible actually has great insight into that very question. And in fact, the book of Romans that we started talking about a couple weeks, then we took last week off for a missions weekend. Um, but this book of Romans, and particularly the chapter 12, talk about this. And it's this, we're going to look at today, we're going to look at the second verse of chapter 12. The second verse. Now, last week we, worked at, we looked at the first verse. And I thought I, I, or sorry, two weeks ago we looked at the first verse. I thought I'd read that just to kind of refresh ourselves because it's been a couple weeks. So here is chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So that's how the Apostle Paul starts out chapter 12. And now, so, so he answers this fundamental question, what does God want from you? What does God most want from you? And you know what God most wants? He wants you. He wants you. How do we do that? We do that by surrendering. We do that by letting go of our desires and our goals and our wills. And we embrace God's desire and God's will and God's values. That's what surrender is. We sort of let go of ourselves. So that's how Paul starts chapter 12. Then he leads in to verse 2. Let's, let's take a verse we're going to take a look at verse 2, but before we do that, we need, let's agree on something that we are being shaped by everything, all kinds of stuff. There's not a person here that is not shaped by the world around them. That's just a reality, I think. And is that cool? we, we can all kind of agree that we are being shaped. So now, now let's look at what is that process? What does it look like to be shaped? And we're going to look, go to verse 2 for that. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, 
perfect, pleasing and perfect will. Now, there's a lot in that, so I want to focus down on the first half of the verse. And then with that, I actually want to focus on the first half of that. So we're just going to look at the first phrase. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, what does Paul mean by that? What, what is the pattern of this world? This world is pretty big, and there are a whole lot of patterns. There are a whole lot of cultures, a whole lot of values, a whole lot of patterns. What does Paul mean by this? Well, in order to understand this, I, I, I kind of want to give you a little sermon inside a sermon. Is that okay? So I'm going to give you a little, little mini-sermon on this idea of the world and how the Bible talks about this concept. So this is going to be a little mini-sermon. It's going to be pretty quick. I, I don't have the time to go through all the Bible verses about each of the, the different ideas that I'll tell you. So, so you can kind of trust me on it. And then if it's interesting, come, let's talk afterwards. I'd love to give you more detail on it. So, so what does Paul mean by this, the pattern of this world? Well, the first thing we need to understand is that the Greek word that Paul uses isn't actually the one traditionally translated as world. He uses a, a word that is better, is better understood as an age. So it's the pattern of this age or era or period of time. Now the way he uses it, and you'll see in, a, by, in about seven to eight minutes, that the translation of our idea, world or world system, worldview, is actually a good translation of it, but it takes a little work to get there. So the first thing we need to understand is that Paul is actually saying not to be conformed to the pattern of this age. So now to understand what he means with the age, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. We're going to go back to the Old Testament and look at how the Israelites looked at ages. See, they, hold, they held what could typically, what's typically called a two-age view of life. They had a two-age view of life. So first... There was this present age, and then there was the age to come. That's how they looked at their timeline, their cosmology, all of that, was there was a present age, and then there was an age to come. Here, here are some characteristics. Here's a little bit of what that, those look like. This present age is marked by human sin. The age to come is the age of Messiah, the present age is, all, is, is about rebellion. The age to come is obedience to Messiah, the Savior. The present age is all about brokenness. The age to come is all about healing and restoration. The present age is about injustice, all the wrong that's done in the world. And the, the age to come is about justice and making things right. So that's a little picture of how Pretty much everybody in the Old Testament viewed time. And everybody there was living in the present age. The age to come was something going to happen in the future. Okay? And it was like a far distant future. But everybody was living in the, the present age. Now, in the New Testament, when Christ came, Christ changed all that. He changed all that because he ushered in the age to come. He was Messiah. He was the promised one. He was the one who, who would usher in justice and righteousness and holiness and obedience. So Christ came, and what happened here was you didn't have one age and then another age. You had overlapping ages. 
because he ushered in the age to come, but the present age hadn't ended yet. So right now, we are living in, if you look in biblical terms, a overlapping age. In the Old Testament, it was only this present age, and everybody lived under this present age. But when Christ came, he ushered in the age of Messiah. He ushered in all the goodness that was going to come with the, the, the age to come, but the present age is still here. So you get this overlapping. A, a little side note, this is also very, actually this is the same idea. If you're familiar with the idea that the kingdom of God is already but not yet, this is the same idea. So if, that, if you're familiar with that, it's the same idea that, that this age to come, this age of where, where Jesus rules and reigns, it's not quite here yet, but it's partly here yet. It's already here, but it's not yet here. So what makes the age we live in, the age in, from the New Testament on, what makes it fundamentally different than the Old Testament is that followers of God now get to choose which age they live in. Every one of us, if you're a follower of God, if you call yourself a Christian, you have a choice which age you will live in. Will you live in this present age filled with disobedience, rebellion, sin, selfishness, injustice, hurt? Or will you live in the age to come that is already here, that is full of obedience and love, selflessness, restoration, healing? All of that is the age to come that is already here. So Christ followers, if you're a Christian, you get to choose what age you live in. So now, understanding that, let's go back to Romans. Let's go back to Romans, particularly the first half of the first half of verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world or this age. So what Paul is saying is, we live in this overlapping time right now. Don't conform yourself to the present age. Because see, there's something else that the New Testament adds on to the idea of the present age versus the age to come. All of those things from the Old Testament are true. But there's one more thing that Paul actually, in other letters, adds. Each age has a ruler. Each age has a king. The, the present age is ruled by Satan. I mean, just think about all those things we talked about. Those are all evil, bad things. The source of all evil, bad things, that's Satan. So Satan rules this present age, but he won't rule forever because Jesus rules the age to come. And there will be a time in the future where this present age ends where Satan's rule ends. Satan gets dethroned from this present age. And Jesus solely rules over all. So Paul says, do not conform to this, the pattern of this present age, this pattern of rebellion, of rejection of God, of turning to other gods, of placing things above God. God. 
of sin and selfishness and hurt and brokenness and rebellion, all of that. Don't conform to that age. Okay, now if we do the second half of the first half, Paul says instead, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if we bring up that diagram again, the two-age, the overlapping age diagram, what Paul is saying here is don't live, here, can we pull up that diagram here for a sec? Don't live in the present age. Uh, next one. Next one. Booyah. There we go. Don't live in the present age because this age will conform you to its mold. It will take you and squeeze you into its mold. Instead, be transformed. Be transformed and live in the age to come. Live in the age of Messiah. Live in the age of Jesus. Be transformed from one age to the next. Because who wants to live under the, the king, the ruler of Satan? And all that Satan's values, which is destruction, kill, kill, maim, and destroy. But instead, live under this present age, sorry, the, the age to come, where Christ reigns. And so that's what Paul is saying in, in the first half of this verse, is he's calling his people... The, the Christians in Rome, but also us, to transfer allegiance. Transfer allegiance from one age to the next. Transfer allegiance from one age to the next. So instead of being conformed and squeezed into the mold of the present age, Instead, let God transform you to be the age to come. So remember my question earlier on about what has shaped you? What has shaped you? Well, here's God's answer. You are being shaped. If it's not by God, then it's by the world. You are being shaped. You can't escape that. You can't go through life not being shaped, unless maybe you live as a hermit in a cave in the desert. You are being shaped. And if you aren't being shaped by God, then you're being shaped by the world. You're being shaped by this present age. That's why this is so important to Paul. That's why this is so important that Paul says, be transformed. So... What are you shaped by? What has shaped you historically in the past? And what's shaping you today? Are you allowing God to transform you? Or do you allow the world to conform you, to squeeze you into its mold? And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not one of these that, that says that Christians should be completely outside the world and we all should go live on a Christian commune up north. Okay, that's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to be in this world, in this neighborhood, in this city, 
but he also calls us not to share the values. Now, there are some amazing things that the world around us does. Don't get me wrong. And I believe that's where we should partner with the world in the amazing things that it's doing, but also there's a lot that this world tells us, tells you, tells me, that is not of God. There's a lot that says focus on yourself. There's a lot that says fight back. They deserve it. There's a lot that says anger is good. Stand up for yourself. There's a lot that says your sexuality is your power. Use it. There are a lot of things in this world that will pull you away from God. So who is shaping you? Who is shaping you? Now, at this point, you might be asking one or two questions. Okay, okay, I kind of buy this. You're thinking, okay, I, I, I can buy this, but how do I do this? And then maybe the second one is, okay, I'm not sure I buy this. Why should I do this? How do I do this, and why should I do this? Some of you are asking that right now. So I want to answer them, and thankfully, I don't really have to answer them because Romans 12, 2 answers it. So let's look at the first question. How do I do this? How do I do this? If we go back to the first half of the verse, there's your how. Allow God to renew your mind. Renew your mind. So you know the phrase, you are what you eat? Apparently, I eat a lot of round, doughy things. So you are what you eat. The same thing happens with your mind. What goes in comes out. The same thing happens. So what are you filling your mind with? What are you filling your mind with? So ask yourself, what are the movies you watch? The music you listen to? Who are the friends you hang out with? Chances are, I mean, I, that you might have some friends who give you terrible advice. But you've known them for years, you have a lot of fun when you go out, but they give you terrible advice that is against God and will drive you further away from God. How about what's your social scene? What's your culture? What's your family? What are you filling your mind with? And again, I, I'm not one of those guys who's going to go bashing everything about secular music and movies. Don't see these. Don't see these, okay? But I think we have to use some wisdom. I think, I think we can all agree there's at least some stuff out there we probably should veer away from. So to use some wisdom and some discernment about what you're filling your mind with. Because Paul says the key to transformation lies in your mind. Change your mind, you change your actions. Change your mind, you change your beliefs. Renew your mind. And some of you need some mind renewal from God. Now instead, you, you, you can't just cut out some stuff. You have to fill it with something else. So what are you going to fill it with? Basically, you fill it with some more God. There are a ton of ways to get more God in your life. Read the Bible. Listen to the Bible. Download the Bible app. Play the audio Bible in your car. 
Watch some Bible movies. There's actually some great Bible movies on Netflix and Hulu or go on YouTube. Watch some great videos. One of my favorite um, organizations is a, a group called The Bible Project. We've actually shown a couple of their videos in church before. Just go to YouTube, look up Bible Project, and watch anything they produce. It's some of the best biblical stuff out there. So watch some videos. Listen to some Christian music. Okay, and, and, and trust me, I'm not saying you have to go listen to the really cheesy stuff. I don't even particularly like that. But there's some, there's some great Christian music out there. Go f- if you've never explored the Christian channels on Spotify or Apple Music or Pandora, go check them out. Discover some new music. Okay? Memorize a verse. Get together with a friend, pick a verse, and memorize it together. There are a ton of ways you can get more God in your life. There are a ton of ways where you can renew your mind. But that's what it takes. So now let's hit the other question. This is for those of you who are like, I don't really buy this. Like, is it really worth it? Life seems to be going okay as is. Is it really worth it? This is the why. Why should I bother with this? Well, the second half of Romans 12, 2 gives a pretty compelling answer why. It's a pretty compelling answer. So, so let's read the second half of this verse. Then, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you ever wanted to know God's will for your life? Be transformed. Have you ever known God's will and just not liked it? Like, you know what you should do? You just don't want to do it? Be transformed. That's that's the promise that Paul says in here. The promise that God gives is as we, the more transformed we are, the clearer and clearer God's will is for us. Not only the clearer is God's will, but the better and better it looks. If you've, if you've ever read something or, or heard something that, like, a Christian should blank, and you're like, ah, that kind of bites. I don't really like that. The more you're transformed, the more you'll see God's wisdom in his will for his people. That it's good. Some of you right now don't believe that God's will is good. That's why you don't really want to follow it. But what Paul here says is be transformed and you'll see how good God's will is for you. Be transformed and you'll see how pleasing God's will is for you. Be transformed and you'll see that God's will is perfect. Be transformed. Don't conform to the present age. But be transformed and switch allegiance to the age to come. So remember, you are being shaped. You are being shaped. If not by God, then by the world. There's no way to escape that. It's, it's one or the other. And if you're not allowing God to shape you, then you're letting the world shape you. And the world, the the part of the world ruled by Satan will pull you further and further away from God. God will seem more and more distant. His voice 
when you pray will get softer and softer and softer because he's further, further away. But be transformed and you draw closer to God. You draw closer to his will. You draw closer to living what he wants for you. Because God wants the best for you. He really does. God wants the best for you. But to do that, you need to be transformed by him. Because otherwise, then we can't access God's best. That's what his perfect will is. That's his best. And he wants to give you his best. Never forget that. Never forget that. God wants you to have his best, but it means you need to be transformed. And now, I want to be a church. I want River Life to be a church filled with transformed people. In fact, I want that so much, it's one of our core values. One of our core values is transformation, that we pursue radical life change. If, you've been, if you come to River Life week after week, month after month, year after year, and you are not transformed, one, I failed at doing my job, and two, you failed at doing your job. I appreciate you keeping the seat warm for us every Sunday morning, but God wants so much more than that for you. God wants to transform you. I do not want to be a church filled with people who stay the way they are. I don't want that because God doesn't want that. God wants you to be transformed. River life wants you to be transformed. River life wants you to be healed. River life wants you to have hope. That's what we want for you because that's what God wants for you. So join us. Join us to be a community of transformed people because there's a little secret about being transformed. When you are transformed, you can then be an agent of transformation in the rest of your world, in your families, on your jobs, in your neighborhoods, in St. Paul, in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. You can be an agent of transformation for good in your world, but you need to be transformed first. And God has allowed you to be able to do that. God wants to transform you. All you have to do is say yes to him.